0: So we are in week four of Nehemiah, very excited about what God's been speaking to us uh, through this incredible book, and so um, before we get into today's topic, um, I want to read two scriptures that are going to kind of set the stage for where we're headed, and they're um, out of 2 Corinthians and Romans, so go ahead and put those up there. It says this, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Romans eight thirty seven. Yet in all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the way that you want to speak to us clearly. And so God, I ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would open up our eyes to see something new. Ultimately, Jesus, that we would see you high and lifted up. And that because we see you high, Lord, the view of ourselves would be greater. The view of our struggles and our past and our future would be seen through the lens of the cross. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I am a fairly competitive person. Not in all things, but in anything that matters. I'm competitive. Anybody with me? Come on, raise your hand if you're a competitive person. Be honest. Raise your hand if you're like, I am so not the competitive person. Just totally not. Okay, well, that's good. That's good self-awareness. So, you know, like, like board games, card games, things of that nature are only fun if there's a competitive spirit in the midst, right? Some people, you can play board games and they're just fun to you because they're fun. Board games are not fun. Competing is fun. Winning is fun. How many are with me? Okay, so, so anyway, um, I've shared this before, but many of you probably haven't heard it yet. So uh, we, we have a new development going in near our house. We don't live in the new development, but there's a new one in and there's a new park there. And in this park, they installed two pickleball courts because pickleball is kind of hot right now. And if you've never played pickleball, it's ping pong and tennis merged into one. And so it's like really easy version of tennis. You play with a wiffle ball and a paddle and it, it, anyone can do it. And so Heather and I had been playing a little bit. And so um, we go and, and we, you're supposed to play two on two. And there's like a lot of rules and stuff, but we just, you know, we just like hitting the ball over the, over the net. So anyway, we had gone just her and I to practice. And there was an older couple there. And they were practicing, and um, they kind of look over to us, and we look over to them, and they're like, do you guys want to play? And so we're like, sure, you know, like, why not? We kind of got into a little bit of a rhythm, and, you know, it's good couples therapy, okay? So anyway, we team up, Heather and I, against this. And when I say elderly couple, I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, like, genuinely elderly. I was surprised that they were out there being active, like, old, right? So I'm like, this is going to be fun, you know? Winning is fun. Okay, so, so it's Heather and I versus this sweet elderly couple. And we start playing, and I'm like totally overly confident because I'm fairly athletic too. And so we start playing, and it, like halfway through the game, we haven't scored a point. I'm like, babe, we got to like up our game here. We don't need to take it easy on them. They clearly know what they're doing. So we play two games the first game, we didn't score a point. The second game, we scored one point. They absolutely demolished us. So we get in the car afterwards, and Heather has this big smile on her face. And she's like, hey, that was so fun. Like, we got to connect and have some exercise. And I look over, and I'm like, Heather, there is no part of this that's fun. Zero fun. I don't think we've played since then. Zero fun. So, so I, I'm coaching, um, my son's soccer team right now. And so, you know, he, for whatever reason, Caleb, Caleb's a great athlete, but he hasn't tapped into that like competitive spirit thing yet. And so, um, sometimes he gets out on the, on the field and he's like a total stud. And sometimes he looks like he's, you know, frolicking in the wind, right. And, uh, and looking for butterflies and, and it's just like, you don't never know which version of Caleb you're going to get. So this last game, we played the hardest team and, uh, and the second half came around and they started winning and Caleb's out there just like trotting about, you know, um, like he's in a musical or something, you know? And so I pull him. I'm like, Caleb, what are you doing? And he's like, he, he says this to me, worst thing you can say to a competitive person, I'm trying my best. <laughs> Listen, son, you're a lion. Don't talk to me about trying your best. Get out there and score a goal. So he sat on the bench for like a little while. They scored a couple of times, right? I'm like hitting him in the, in the gut like, Caleb, you got to beef up a little bit. I didn't really hit him. So then I sent him out there, and he's a totally different person. Scores two goals like true lion. I know. I know, you guys were like, you're an interesting father. I think sometimes we we can view our, our journey to rebuild the wall of our life a little bit like Caleb saying, I'm gonna try my best. I'm gonna do my best. But it's almost like the jury's still out of whether or not we're going to actually see victory in our life. Do you ever have, do you have an area in your life where you're just like, I don't know if I'm going to see victory in that area. I don't know if I have what it takes to really overcome in that area, whether it's a relationship or a finance or a personal struggle or dealing with stuff from your past. Like, The jury's kind of still out, but you know what? Here's the thing, I'm gonna do my best. And it's this mentality that says, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. And at the end of the day, I know, I tried. And I just believe with all of my heart that as we look at Nehemiah chapter four, Nehemiah wants to speak to us through those pages, inspired by God, to help us see the mindset that we have about our life means everything. How you believe about yourself, how you believe about God and who truly he, he says you are is everything. Overwhelming victory is ours. Overwhelming victory is ours. At scale of one to 10, how much do you believe that? Like really. Overwhelming victory is mine. I don't know. I don't know. I mean some areas, yeah. I have some areas in my life that I really have to struggle to believe that. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Some areas you're like 100%, I'm all in on that. I have already have victory in that area. But other areas you're just like, I don't know. I've yet to see victory. And so it's like, we'll see. I'll try. I'll try, dad. I'm going to get out there and try. No, you're not. You're a lion. That's what you are. And I believe that that's what God is saying to us. It's yours. So what we'll learn today from Nehemiah is this, and this is is the whole deal. It's the thesis for the whole talk. Go ahead and put it up there. Living a victorious life is more about our identity than our accomplishments. And, and I just want that to sink in for a minute because when we, look at, when we say the word victory, we're thinking overcoming something, doing something, accomplishing something. And yes, that's, that's a part of it. But it doesn't start there. It starts with who you are. Either you are a victorious person or you're somebody that's trying. So we fight from victory, not for victory. We fight from a place and we sang it. We just sang it. Right? Like he has already won and he has already made me victorious. That's who I am. It's a part of my identity. And so when you believe that, it absolutely changes everything. It doesn't mean that there isn't a struggle. It doesn't mean that there isn't a fight. It doesn't mean that you don't have to go out on the soccer field and absolutely give your very best. But when your mindset is, I'm a victor. I walk in victory. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a a byproduct of my circumstances. I'm not a victim at work or at home. I am not a prey to the enemy. I walk in victory because that's my identity. And then from that place of identity, then I can begin to walk that out. I'm telling you, it changes everything. And I think that some of us have that mindset in some areas of our life. And then in other areas, either you're the victim or you're just already defeated. Have you ever tried anything or tried to overcome something or do something? And it's just like you're already defeated. I've done that a thousand times with my diet. I start out going, come on, it's going to be good. But in my mind, I'm already defeated. I was telling Phil this, and I have one cheat day. You ever, you ever get on a diet and you're like doing really good and then you have one cheat day and it's just over? Like your life is over. Like I already blew it. There's no way I can get back on. And it's like, really? You can just, like, the next day, you can get back on it. No, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm defeated. Right? You guys are like, this sermon's finally making sense. Okay. You know what I find interesting about Nehemiah chapter 4? Is that despite all the... uh, um, all the opposition, all the obstacles, all the things coming against him, he had this resolve. And we're going to get into it. We're going to get into chapter four. But you just have to understand that chapter four is all about the onslaught of the enemy. There's coming from every which way. And Nehemiah chapter four is about Nehemiah saying, you know what, at the end of the day, we're going to do this. It's not an option to fail because we're not failures. Our identity is God's called us to do this. He's given us the authority to do this. And so we're going to do this. And so I want want you to see something in where he got this authority from. It's super powerful and applicable for us. And it's from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. And it says this, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors, for the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the gate, the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gate for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. So the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Watch this. Nehemiah carried a letter with him, sealed by the king, guaranteeing him two things, provision and protection. Listen, every place you go, you have a letter with the king's authority to say, I must pass, you can't touch me. Then he's carrying a letter from the king that also said, oh, and by the way, everything that I need to do what God's called me to do, y'all have to provide for me. Here's the letter. It's a guarantee. And so he begins to walk in confidence. And when the enemy's coming and they're saying, no, you're not going to be able to do this. He is walking with such boldness and such confidence because he has the letter from the king. Listen, God's called us to rise up and build this year. No question in my mind. And I believe that God does have specific words for specific seasons. And listen, if you call Heart Church home, God's calling you to rise up and build. But this is, this is not like a, and we talked about this. This is not a, a reprimand to say, you know what, you really need to stop you know, messing around and stop failing and you really need to try better and do better. You need to be better. That's not what this is. This is an upward call. Remember we talked about this. The, the rise up is, a, is, a, is an upward call. God's saying, I'm calling you up. I've got something more for you. I've got something better for you. So you're not stuck. You're not the victim. You're not hitting a glass ceiling. I've blown away the glass ceiling. And now it's an invitation to level up. It's an invitation. It's a beautiful invitation where we get to take daddy's hand and he gets to level us up. And so there's something more for you. But I wrote this down. If we don't know who sent us and whose authority we carry, then we will live fearful, insecure lives, always questioning if we are Enough. It's a mindset. If you're already defeated, then you're walking around insecure and defeated, questioning, Am I enough? And so the beautiful thing is, we carry a letter from the king, don't we? (laughs) We carry a letter from the king, and it's a guarantee. A provision and protection. And these, th- th- these two things are so important and they're so massive. And I want you to put up there what they represent. Provision from the king. This represents, I am secure. Because the wall you're building is not a brick house at your, you know, in, the, in your front yard. The wall you're building is your life, your family, your faith, your future, your purpose. Those are the things that you're building. And so God has said, I have what you need. You're secure. Because I have enough and I am enough. This is the I am statement. I am enough. I am secure. He's promised us protection. I am safe. Because he is with me and he fights for me. And listen, I'm telling you, these two things, you can break them down and, and, and they're seen in almost every internal struggle we have. It's one of these two things. It's derived from one of these two things. I'm not enough. I'm not safe. And so Nehemiah is shouting from the wall saying, listen, to you and I, as we endeavor to build the wall of our life. You need to walk with a sense of confidence and authority that God has given you these things. And so, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. And yeah, the enemy's going to come. And yeah, we have a flesh. And there's all those dynamics, the same thing that Nehemiah had to face. But in the midst of them, we fight from victory. We are victorious. And so it's interesting um, in Nehemiah chapter four, and here's what we're going to get into, is that um, the enemy targets these two areas. And we're going to see it in uh, chapter one. I'm sorry, chapter four, verse one and three says this. Samballot was angry when he learned that he was re- we were re- rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying, what does this bunch of poor feeble Jews think they are doing? Watch this, that stone wall will collapse even if a fox want- walks on top of it. <laughs> Translation, you're not enough. Sound familiar? Like, I get it. Pastor Shane's talking about you leveling up and, you know, taking ground and doing some things. But like you get alone and then the accuser of the brethren, just your own mind and thoughts echo. Really? Like that's great for everybody else. But let's be honest. Let's be honest with yourself. You tried this before. That's just not in you. It's not who you are. And so maybe, maybe you can improve just a little bit, but you're never going to have victory in that area. So just deal with it. You know what? Live with a limp. It's fine. You can still get around. Just live with a limp. Walk with a limp. That's the enemy's tactic to help you see that you're not enough. Even though you carry a sealed letter from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that declares you are enough. Okay, so Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11, the second attack comes. Our Our adversaries said, They will neither know or see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Watch this. So it was, when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us ten times. Watch this. From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. So the enemy's coming and saying, We're going to come into your midst and you're not going to see us coming. You're not going to know we're coming. We're just going to be all up in your business. And so the Jews that were hearing this ran to Nehemiah 10 different times. They're coming, like fear gripping them. They're coming. At some point, we're going to look around. They're going to be all over us. What are we going to do, Nehemiah? Listen, you're not safe. You're not safe? If that's not the spirit of fear, I don't know what is. The essence of the spirit of fear is it's made up. You're not going to see it because there's nothing to see. Come on. So that means that even though you don't see anything coming, even though there's not evidence of something attacking you, it's coming, so be fearful. Live in anxiety and fear because something's going to happen. This is the essence of the spirit of fear. And it came to cripple you. Um, I'm not safe because what if? I shouldn't trust because what if? This is the spirit of fear, what if? I shouldn't trust. I shouldn't commit because what if? I shouldn't open myself up because what if? What if X, Y, and Z happens? This is the spirit of fear that comes to attack that provision from the Lord that says you're safe. You're safe. And these two things, these pillars, I'm enough and I'm safe, are the bedrock of your victorious life in Christ. Yeah. They are, they're the bedrock. And, and they, are, they are a byproduct of your identity, not your accomplishments. So you can't work yourself into feeling like, okay, now I'm enough because I'm, I've reached the level of Christianity and, and spiritual hood, and, and I've done some things in my career, and so now I'm enough. We've all been on that merry-go-round. It just keeps going round and round, doesn't it? You can never measure up in your accomplishments, because that's not how you get that. You get that from your identity in Christ. I am enough, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. I'm enough, and I'm secure. Listen, you can't make your life secure enough for you to feel secure, You can't create a bubble from, listen, we're about to send our kids out into a war zone. Heaven's above. There's fear all over that if we're not secure. If I don't believe that my kids and my family and my life are secure in Christ because of what he's done and who he is and that he's going before us and he's surrounding us, if that's not the bedrock of my faith, then I'm dipped. I'm gonna live in fear and anxiety. But instead, we're gonna walk in confidence and victory because of where it's founded and, 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 and that's the whole point of this wall that we're building. This is the strategic attack of the enemy, that you're not enough and that you're not safe. So let's look at Nehemiah. He gives us a blueprint. Um, so notice, so chapter four is the attack. And so Nehemiah knows it's coming. And so Nehemiah chapter three does something interesting. The entire chapter three, which we talked about last week from the standpoint of coming together and being in unity in the community of God. But what they did together was very interesting. What they actually did was repair 10 gates. And there's names for each of them and they're really cool. But they put their work towards rebuilding the gates. Gates are massively important. And I just want to give you two. I, I kind of did like, this was like three sermons into one, so I'm going to boil it down, and give you the Reader's Digest version. But 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 there's gates that are so important, not just because they give you access, but what took place at the gates. A gate back in this day, the, the uh, business was done at the gate. Transactions were done at the gate. It was it was a place of of communal business where they'd go out to the gate, they'd exchange goods, they'd exchange services, they would do business at the gate. And it was a daily thing that they would go out to the gate and, uh, and do, do work. And so um, at each of these gates, it's a beautiful exchange. So the first one is this, rebuilding the mind gate. Rebuilding... The mind gate. Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Again, we could do a whole series on just this one. But again, in the context of what we're talking about, which is God's called you to level up this year. God's called you to walk with a sense of boldness and confidence in the the realms of your life. And for you to do that, you have to live from a place of identity. And we all know that starts here. It's won and lost, first and foremost, in the mind gate. And so I want to just talk about this just for a minute. Um, But I I love the fact that we're starting with the word rebuild and not guard. Because see, sometimes I think that in our mind, we just think, well, we just got to guard our mind and not think bad thoughts. But can can I tell you, this um, this is some demo required, first of all. Because there's, there's a broken down gate there in all of us, in this area of the mind. There's some broken thinking. What, what's the word stinking thinking? There's some broken thinking in our mind that needs to be demoed. When you go in to, uh, to remodel a house or like you watch the flip or flop movies, a lot of it's like make it worse before it gets better, right? Like if you're in construction or fill up, you know this. You go out to a backyard or whatever and you're going to do some stuff. It's like demo first. We got to get the garbage out of here. And so when it comes to your mind, it's not just guarding against the bad stuff. It's assessing, what do we have there? We gotta to have to uproot some stuff. We gotta do some demo of some things and then we gotta rebuild. We gotta replace it. It's not enough to just remove and then guard. We need to replace it with some stuff that's gonna firm this thing up. I wrote this down. The enemy doesn't have to get you to believe the lie. He just needs to get you to constantly second guess yourself. The enemy offers you confusion at the gate. Some of us spend so much time in our mind, just confused. It's not like we've like bought the lie hook, line, and sinker. We're just confused. We're like dazed and confused. And so we use so much energy Like, I don't know, is that right? And is this what God's calling me to do? What about my past? And maybe I need to do this. And I don't know about myself. And what's going to happen in this scenario? And it's just like, before long, the day's gone. And you've just been going in circles. And maybe you're not worse, but you're not any better. And you certainly haven't built anything. You haven't helped anybody else. You're like barely surviving. And the enemy's like, perfect another day. Check. He's not trying to take you out in a day. Listen, if you just are dazed and confused today, he's like, perfect. 100%. That's a win. And the worst of it is that, listen, we have enough negative thoughts going on in our mind. The enemy doesn't even have to show up that day, and we're still dazed and confused. Right? I mean, it's not always the enemy. He's not everywhere. We also have a flesh, right? And just like negative thoughts towards ourselves— and so that is not the place God has for you. And so if you don't hear anything else, just hear that like God wants you, you to walk in victory in your mind. God wants to give you a sense of clarity and certainty. Um, I, I, I heard a pastor a long time ago say that part of just living the victorious life and, 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 and especially in leadership is learning to have clarity in the midst of uncertainty. How many know there's always uncertainty? I mean, gosh, we could list a number of things that we're never going to get certainty about right now. Just like that. Now, nope, don't have uncertainty there yet. Don't have certainty yet. Maybe one day, but right now I don't have it and I can't get it. So, what's the clarity? What's the clarity in the midst of my uncertainty? If you don't have clarity in the midst of uncertainty, guess what? Then you're just uncertain. And then you're a bummer to hang around with. Don't be a bummer. So what's the certainty? What's the clarity in the midst of our uncertainty? It's speaking the greater truth. So right now, we don't have a place to go in five months. We're looking for a building. Uncertainty. (laughs) In big capital letters. Right? So either I'm just going to wander around and be a huge bummer. Or... And Heather's like, yeah, some days for sure. Or I'm going to say, you know what? There's some clarity here. And the clarity is a greater truth. I have a truth. There's a problem that's not solved yet. What's my greater truth? My greater truth is, well, God said that he's going to provide all of my needs. So so he's on the throne. Oh, and I think he said he's going to build his church. So that's some solid clarity. Oh, yeah. and, so, and so I'm going to believe that he's not going to leave us high and dry. I'm going to believe that it's not me all on my shoulders to be crucified and die for the church because Jesus already did that. So, he wants me to be confident and healthy and not a, an emotional wreck all of the time. And so, you know what? I'm going to put it in his hands and I'm going to do everything I can, but I'm not going to carry that. And I'm going to walk with a sense of clarity in the midst of uncertainty. And so, the enemy loses in that category in my life because he wants me to be dazed and confused, and I'm just not going to be. So, you fill in the blank. What's your uncertainty? And what's the the clarity that God can give you to say, you know what? I'm going to walk as a victorious person because I have a letter from the king. And it's sealed. And so he says that everybody's got to give me the timber so I have what I need. And he said that no one can attack me because I'm safe. And so that's powerful. Yeah. I wrote this down. Listening, believing all the promises of God for your life is a journey. So, so this idea of renewing our mind is not like I gotta get all of this and download it in my mind and believe it all at once. Like, like that's that's a journey. It's a daily journey, it's a weekly journey. Little by little you'll grow in your, your understanding. The real question is: tomorrow morning when you wake up, who's governing your mind? And I love this scripture out of Romans. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And so tomorrow morning, Jesus wants to meet you at the gate. And he wants to have an exchange with you. And it's a beautiful exchange. The enemy and the flesh want to have an exchange with you as well. And he wants to exchange Uh, clarity for confusion, but Jesus is standing at the gate and he's saying, listen, I have what you need. And so let my spirit guide your thoughts today. Tomorrow morning, that's the thing. You don't have to bite off the whole thing. Just tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and say, spirit, you're in control today. You're gonna govern my mind and I'm gonna meet Jesus and I'm gonna allow him to exchange my confusion with his beautiful clarity. Overwhelming victory is yours. You are enough, and you are safe. Rebuilding the mouth gate. We're going to land on this. Nehemiah chapter two, verse eighteen. I love this. I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also of the king's words that that he had spoken to me. So this was Nehemiah using his mouth to say out loud, "I am enough, and I am safe." So, yes, part of it's in your mind, but there's something powerful when it comes out of your mouth. Something powerful when it comes out of your mouth. Faith comes by hearing, not thinking. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, here's the reality. Here's the reality. It's not like I need to help you go from not talking to talking. You're already talking. You're already saying things. And you're already building It's just a matter of you're either building the broken gate and making it more broken and more ugly by saying all the wrong things or you're demoing that silly thing and you're rebuilding something beautiful with your words. So we're rebuilding this thing by changing our vocabulary. I don't wander around and talk about how horrible it's going to be in five months. And when I do say something like that, I quickly catch myself and go, you know what? I'm not going to say that. Because because I'm creating something in my heart and in my mind. And so so our words are so powerful. If you ever listen to yourself, you'll really key into what you actually believe. So listen to yourself every once in a while. Catch yourself like up, so, um, case in point, we were driving to school this last week and, um, I take Caleb and Haley to school and Haley was saying something about elevators. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think we were talking about the building and she's like, oh, if we move to a new place and there's not an elevator, then it'll be get Good. Because she, she's really scared of elevators, but she made this phrase. She said, um, because of my anxiety, And I, and I caught her and I said, Haley, um, I, I want you to adopt a different way of describing the anxiety that you feel without owning anxiety. Unless you want anxiety to be your identity, then don't say my. I mean, I, I don't want to own anxiety, so I'm never going to say it's my anxiety. I feel anxiety. When I do X, Y, and Z, I feel anxious. And so I'm, I'm trusting that God's going to take that from me. But I said, Haley, let's not own it. It's not yours. You don't want it to be yours. And I'm telling you guys, there, there, there are things, attached. spirits are attached to names. The spirit of fear is all over that. And so I I want you to listen to yourself, listen to your kids, and and watch yourself, catch yourself from saying things that are claiming things on your identity. Super powerful. Watch David's um, confession. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I mean, how cool is that? As it's far from the truth. David had a crazy amount of opposition. And, and, and yet he's like, no, um, the Lord's my shepherd. Oh, by the way, so I don't have to be afraid. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid because he's with me. So I have, I have safety, I have security. And, um, and I have everything I need. So I have the provision from the king. I'm not lacking. I'm not struggling. There's times when I have more and there's times when I have less. Paul even said, I've learned how to live with little and live with lot. But I still have everything I need. I still am blessed. And so, again, it's a confession of our faith and I guarantee you that that David didn't just write this. I guarantee you it came out of his mouth. Often, you are my shepherd. Because you're my shepherd, I have everything I need. What a great declaration tomorrow morning. God, I thank you that you're my shepherd. I thank you that you will go before me. I thank you that I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to live in a- with anxiety. I don't have to live victimized. Today you are with me. You are my shepherd. You're meeting me at the gate. You're giving me a beautiful exchange, and so I walk with you. And because of that, I have everything that I need. Okay. Today you have you have supplied all of my needs according to your riches and glory. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, and so I walk blessed. That doesn't mean that I have a Rolex and a Porsche. It means that on the inside, I've got everything that I need. My cup is full and overflowing. In fact, I have something for you. And I have something for you. It's overflowing in me because I'm blessed. This is the confession of our mouth. And it's really powerful. I want to end with this um, idea and word picture. And just the, the location of it is going to be up on the screen. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1 and 3. Uh, it just blessed me, uh, so I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads, just kind of just thinking about this whole idea, and I, I want you to hear the Good Shepherd speaking prophetically through Isaiah. It says, "This is anyone thirsty, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine and milk; it's free." Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does no good? Listen to me. Come on at the gate and you will eat what is good. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I gave David. Verse eight, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord, thank goodness. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Father God, I thank you today that you have given us a brand new identity. Because of you, Jesus, because of the sacrifice that you made, that we are hidden with Christ in God, a new creation in Christ. And so it's with that, Jesus, that we do come and we hear you inviting us to the upward call, that we would meet you at the gate every day and receive that beautiful exchange, a new mind and heart, that we would see our world differently and see ourselves through the lens of the cross, that we would be reminded at the gate of your words to us, you're enough and you're safe and that those words would come flowing out of us as they did David. Lord, you're my shepherd and I have everything I need. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.